What's going on, all you dads out there and all you moms? Thanks for checking out the latest episode of the Fade You Podcast, episode 134. Thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, Make sure you support our show. Subscribe if you're listening to this as a podcast. Uh, Give it a like on Twitter. Tell your friends about it. We got a really good episode for you coming up here, and uh, we really appreciate you guys listening. So make sure you are following us on Twitter at Fade You Sports. Make sure you check out our YouTube. Check out the link in our Twitter bio. We got some good stuff coming up there. And check out Fade University on TikTok. We look forward to bringing more TikTok content here through the summer months. My name is Matthew James on Twitter at MatthewJames78. Joined on this special episode by my good buddy, Kmart. Kmart's underscore angles on Twitter. Kmart, are you excited to talk some hockey? I'm actually really excited, you know, on the precipice of the NFL draft here, but, you know, furthermore, getting into the NHL playoffs that you would know. I love to degen every now and then. Uh, One of the high peak moments of Kyle and I's friendship is when the Sharks made the run to the Stanley Cup final. Kyle wasn't married yet. He would come over and watch the games. We would yell. (laughs) We would throw shit. We scared the dog. We scared the neighbors. Uh, and, and that was some of the most fun I've ever had with Kyle. So to get to talk some yeah. playoff hockey with him and our special guest here is, is going to be a really good time. So uh, we're super excited for today's guest. We don't talk a ton of hockey here on the Fade You podcast, but uh, when you listen to this, it's going to be early May. And that means the start of the Stanley Cup playoffs, which are hands down uh, the best tournament in all of sports. So um, really wanted to have a hockey handicapper on. So we are super thrilled to welcome Alex Smith to the Fade You podcast, and you can find him on Twitter at AXSmithSports. He's a co-host over at the Ice Guys, which is just a fantastic show for hockey fans, hockey betters. Alex, thanks so much for your time, and thanks for hanging out with us today. Yeah, thanks, guys, for having me on. I'm, I'm really excited, always excited to talk hockey with anybody, but especially, uh, except, you know, you guys have me on the pod for the first time and talking to playoff hockey in 20. You mentioned about how it's, you know, early May. It's supposed to be, normally, would be like, you know, we've been talking about the second round going into the conference finals, but because everything was pushed back, it felt like two long, two just consecutive long seasons right now, the way things are going. But uh, normally, we would be like toward the end of the first round, but, you know, here we are, you know, going to the beginning of the, of the of the playoffs and it's going to go all the way until I think the 4th of July would possibly be the latest date for game seven. But uh, so more summertime hockey, this would be the second, second straight year for that. So. Yeah, it's great. And Kyle, I remember you when the NBA playoffs started, you were like, wait a minute, isn't hockey usually started by now? So this is, this is kind of kind of a yeah. unique, weird anomaly season. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think I said something like, I thought NHL was always two weeks ahead of the NBA. This is super weird right now. And then you reminded me of the good old Olympics. Right. Yeah. yeah right. They're not playing in the Olympics. And then they had this, you know, the schedule had to be flipped around. Basically like 120 games had to be changed around uh, over a span of weeks. And so, yeah, the, you know, the NHL, the schedule makers did a great job and the league did a good job to, to fill those gaps in. And so now here we are finally uh, at the playoffs after a long 82 game season. Can't wait. Uh, it's, it's God, it's so good. Um, so Alex, before we get started, just talk about how you, you, I mean, you're, you're Chicago guy, you got the Hawks Jersey on one of the, yeah. we talked about um, 
with our guy, Dave Sherapan, when we were in Vegas for March Madness, we talked about the best red jerseys in all of sports. And uh, that Hawks red is, is so good. But just talk briefly about how you fell in love with hockey. Like what, what makes this such, I mean, what makes it the best sport? Well, yeah, so I yeah, grew up, I was born and raised in the south side of Chicago. I don't live there now anymore full-time. I'm, I actually live in, in St. Paul, Minnesota, but I go back and forth. But, uh, but growing up in Chicago, and I grew up in the 90s when the Bulls were king and, of course, the Bears. You got, you know, the Sox. Then there was the Hawks, you know. Well, the, the, the you know, storied original six franchise that, you know, had obviously had great players, except the, one of the more iconic logos in, in all the sports, one of the more recognized jerseys in all the sports. But... They were not good in the late 90s and early 2000s. But uh, I, I always watched the games on TV. I thought it was just a fun game to watch. And once I got to go to a game, uh, my dad would take me to that. Not just the Hawks games, but the Chicago Wolves, which back then was in the old International Hockey League. Uh, and then they flipped and became AHL teams, so the American Hockey League. That's the affiliate right, right underneath it. But uh, so watching the games in person, it, it was just just incredible. Just just the atmosphere, the fans and just, you know, back then there was a lot of fighting. So the violence and the hitting, but just the, the grace of, of the guys skating around and scoring goals. It was just, it was just something different than what you saw from football. It had the physicality of football. It had the structure of, of basketball, you know, and it had that kind of traditional aspect of baseball all wrapped in the one. That's the way I kind of looked at it growing up. And, uh, you know, as an African-American, there weren't a lot of, you know, people that look like me playing the game that certainly weren't that many people that look like me in the stands watching the game. So I had to kind of, in a way, be an ambassador just to try to convince the rest of my family to watch hockey. And so it's kind of funny that now being in the gambling landscape where hockey kind of plays fourth or fifth fiddle at times, I still have to kind of do have that ambassador role for a different reason. But, uh, and it, it, I love that. I love spreading the word of hockey to anyone that wants to listen to it like uh you know I, i'm such a fan and i like talking about the game and so it, you know to get try to get somebody to say and, and since i've been betting on hockey and, and had to the ice guys podcast and you know been selling picks and different things for the last 10 years i've had so many people that email me dm me all the time they say hey i didn't even watch hockey or i never thought about hockey until you i heard you talk about it on the radio or, or a podcast now I, not only do I bet on the games, I watch the games. I'm a fan of this team or that team, you know. So it, it's been really cool to, like, my fandom growing has now led to other people becoming fans. That, that's what it's really all about, in my opinion. And in some ways, it's never been easier to become a hockey fan. ESPN Plus and what they have done this season yes. has been so good. And, I, I mean, I never had, like, NHL center ice or, or any of that, so – it's so much fun being on the West Coast here to get home from work and and turn on ESPN. Play. Who am I going to watch today? I'll, maybe I'll watch the Flyers today. Maybe I'll watch right. the Leafs today. Like it's such a cool opportunity to be able to just watch more games. So, um, and I think one thing you mentioned to you about being able to go to the game and experience the atmosphere. Like I, I've never been to a Hawks game at the United Center, and even when they're not good, that just sounds so fun. Like we've got yeah. You know, here in SoCal, we got the Kings and the Ducks. And and even, you know, the Ducks are having a miserable season. They had a game against the Kings last week down there at the Honda Center. And that was an insane environment with that rivalry. And the Kings are mm -hmm. playoff bound. And, and the Ducks are going to get up for that game. And going to a hockey game and experiencing that atmosphere. I mean, even people who aren't hockey fans, like, you'll go, you'll get hooked. It, it is such yeah. a fun sport to be a part of live. 
Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, you know, growing up when I went to Hawks games as a kid, yeah, there were times. I mean, they would literally give away the tickets. You could sit in the upper deck, and then they tell you to come down to to the you know the lower levels because they didn't want you know the the TV cameras to see all these empty seats. And then all of a sudden, the resurgence turns around in 2010, 2013, 2015. They win the Stanley Cups. All of a sudden, it's a sellout. You know, yeah. Uh, what eight year sellout streak and that's when it was just at its peaks for so for me to be at a hawks game against columbus when there was 400 people there in total and the hawks were losing six to two and then to turn around and go to a hawks playoff game where they're beating vancouver seven to four to advance to the next round at twenty two thousand people it, it was it's really cool to kind of that's a, that's a that's what we love about being a fan of sports that's why we're fans of teams because you know when you stick through the good and the bad you know it, it makes that those great times, even more magnificent. Like you said, you guys are Sharks fans. You know, all the years where the Sharks, you know, came up close, came up short, with conference final loss here, you know, sweep there. All of a sudden they get to, to win the Western Conference and go to a cup final. Fortunately, didn't win it, but still just to be there. It, it, it made that, I'm sure that moment was big for you guys as fans because like, wow, you guys remember the days of them getting crushed by Colorado and other teams. So, you know, that that's what we love about sports in general, but especially hockey, it, it, the, the ascent and descent of hockey, I think is more noticeable, a parody, if you will. It, it, it's really a big thing, especially now in the salary cap era. Totally, for sure. Uh, you mentioned the good times and the bad. Kyle's about ready to go through that with the Lakers here with the bad. So uh, good, 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 luck. Yeah. good luck with that, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so you talk about, I mean, why we love the game. I mean, it's such a fun sport. Now, how did you get into betting it? Like, at what point did you say, you know, this is a great, I, I love hockey. I'm going to learn how to bet it, and I'm going to learn how to be good at it. So, yeah, so now that's a whole different story. So I, I've been I've been gambling since I was a little kid. I come from a, a gambling background. My grandfather used to shoot pool and dice. Uh, it's pretty much how he made his money on the weekends when he wasn't driving a cab. Uh, my, my grandma always used to go to the casino, play bingo. So I just always been someone who's ga- like gambling in the family. And so I've always bet on, on sports, but I always used to just bet on college or pro football, maybe a little NBA or a little college hoops during March madness. And so when I started, I got into betting full time around 2012, I was actually a musician and ended up getting sick and couldn't perform for a while. So I took my hobby and just decided like, Hey, I like, I got a little extra money at the time. Let me try to do this. Like the professionals. And got to talk to a lot of people. Twitter was the biggest help. Just got to know a lot of people through Twitter. One way to another, listening to a bunch of shows, I ended up getting on uh, ESPN radio uh, out in Las Vegas with Dave Koken, legendary handicapper, Matt Humans, who's now hosting with Vsin. Those guys got me on because they're like, hey, you bet hockey. And I'm like, yeah, like I just started betting hockey. It was right after the 2011-2012 lockout. And that's when I decided, I'm like, you know, I'm like, I know hockey better than pretty much better than basketball and just as well as football. And I'm like, I didn't quite understand the money line aspect until I started, you know, betting more with football. And so I was just kind of, like I said, just learn to adjust and, and, and realize how the game goes according to the numbers. I mean, you can watch a, a sporting event and if you don't know anything about gambling, you don't understand the totals and the, and the spreads and the sides. So I understood that, that aspect well before, but just putting it together with hockey because I was just a fan and never really bet on it. It took a little bit of a time, but I got, you know, pretty good at it. I mean, I had a good first season. And from there, I ended up doing radio spots on ESPN Radio in Las Vegas a couple of times during the playoffs. And then that turned into, you know, people following me on Twitter, uh, you know, and then now me having it on my own website and me being put on other people's websites. And I realized that, like I said, you know, it's, it's just that I was able to break down the game 
in a way where, okay, I can, you know, I can find a way to make money at this, you know, consistently where, you know, I have hot and cold spells in, in the NFL and, and NBA. I just, it, I was just consistently making more money in hockey than any other sport. So that's became the forefront of it, and, you know, and, and the biggest drawback that I got, or at least criticism I got for people they're like, well, you're such a big Blackhawks fan, but you know, can you be, sub- you know, subjective? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, you know, I, I grew up watching the Hawks being one of the worst teams in the league. I can tell you when they're going to play bad or when they're going to play good, you know, and, and I love them no matter what, but you know, I'm not going to, you know, money's a different thing. If, I'm not going to waste money because I'm like, Oh, I love my Hawks, but you know, if they're not going to win. They're not going to win. I'm going to go bet on the other side. So, you know, so I had to make that split in my head too, which I think a lot of gamblers, you know, casual recreational professional have to you know you have to make that decision in your head that you can't bet with your heart and uh so once i learned that and that 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 didn't take much time then it, you know the wheels were off from there it just kept kept going and they said had all these shows and stuff now and like i said it's my most successful sport for the, over the last 10 years wow so so you say don't bet with your heart do not bet with your heart no <laughs> absolutely not if you don't know <laughs> anything about me yet i am the resident homer here at Fiji. oh yeah so oh okay all right gotcha. i'm pretty sure the first 10 hockey bets i ever had were definitely mm. sharks money line and it was definitely during that 2016 run and i think they got down in a series and i was just like matt come on come on let's just throw it in throw it in oh oh puck line come on come on let's just kill it and i remember laying the minus one and a half at like god plus 180 or something and we got the empty netter at the end uh, I mean, oh nice absolutely crazy so that was definitely how I got into it, but I mean, not hockey related, but I've always been like a, a quick, you know, like D-gen, you know, first to 15, first to 10. So I kind of started looking at, you know, hockey first period over, first team to score, score in the first 10 minutes, things of that nature. Did you, right. ever, you know, dabble in that? And if, if so, you know, what's your, <laughs> what's your favorite or are they just all to you just a crap shoot and, you know, the, better to just stay away well i'll tell you i'll tell you the story of the first period overs and why they've become absolutely insane in the last three and a half years uh that's partly my fault <laughs> because what happened in the this had to be what so 2019 let's it's like 20 let's say november 2018 because it's the last road trip the hawks used to always do a a long west coast road trip during the uh, thanksgiving time because the circus would always be in town in chicago and they always played poorly in, in that in that stretch no matter what no matter how good or bad they were that season and Hawks end up losing a game like four to two I'll never forget Patrick Kane in this in an interview he says says we're getting off these bad starts lately he says you know it's like all of a sudden five minutes in we're down a goal and then we have to play play catch up and when he said that I went back and looked at all the other box scores and I go oh yeah they lost they were down two to one in the first against Vancouver two nothing against San Jose tied one one against Toronto going back I'm like they you know, be catching these first period overs. Now, I didn't pay attention to first period overs in hockey. I always knew about first halves, mostly in the NBA. That's the, probably like the biggest thing I did in the NBA was first half plays. And so I was like, okay, well, I'll just take that kind of same concept to it. I'm like, first period. And then when I looked, I'm like, well, this number never moves. It's at one and a half all the time. They might move the juice. And even then the juice wouldn't move past the dollar 30. So, all right, well, I'm just going to just keep, and I don't, I'm not one of those people that just automatically bet something, but that's what I did with the Hawks. Automatically bet their first period over. They went 20 and two after already going like nine and one from the time that I, I looked that up. Then all of a sudden comes the Tampa Bay Lightning. Powerful offense. Not the goaltending was a bit sketchy at times. Started tracking them. They went 17 and three. The Pittsburgh Penguins, another team, shaky goaltending, great offense. 
So all these teams came about. And I end up sending a, uh, a DM on Twitter to Mitch Moss at VSEN, who hosts uh, Follow the Money, the morning show. And I said, hey, I said, I don't know if you guys know about this. I said, but the Blackhawks are on this crazy run with these first period overs. I said, you know, it might be something you want to, you know, talk about. You guys are talking about hockey because I know most shows never, if they talk about hockey, it's for four seconds. And they usually just want to talk about Connor McDavid or, you know, Sidney Crosby and then just move along. So they started talking about it. And I didn't really listen to the show that often because it came on like four in the morning, six, you know, five in the morning. All of a sudden, everybody's like talking about, oh, yeah, first period overs. And it's like, like follow the money talking about first period overs. And I go, I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I was the one that told them about that. So all of a sudden, we people started betting it. And they and because they it caught fire with them, the book started moving the juice. It starts going, you got to lay 160. You got to lay 170, 185. Then the offshore books, they said, we're not even dealing with this. We're going to two. So they started moving the numbers and it just it just got out of control. And here we are three years later, literally last night, I think all but maybe two games had opening first period totals at two. So, you know, I, I, like I said, I, it's, you know, I've kind of become destroyer of worlds to use the Oppenheimer uh, reference. But, you know, <laughs> it, it, just, it just, you know, it was a, a moneymaker. And then all of a sudden, you know, you have to yeah. kind of really do some homework about it because now they're moving the numbers. But it was just sitting there stagnant. And it just shows you how the books neglected hockey and they still neglect hockey in, in certain ways where if something like that, you find a trend that's 20 and two in the NFL or the NBA or college football. The books are going to adjust that halfway through, and it's just going to be happenstance and luck that it keeps going past, you know, 10 and 1. Yeah. Well, in the NHL, there's a lot of streaks that go by, and because, you know, there's always something else that has the books and the casual better's attention. You know, like March, March Madness, February, Super Bowl, go back, you know, January, playoffs, college football, college basketball. There's always something else. There's never – this. It's the irony of, of possibly with the NBA being over in early June, the only thing that the NHL might have to compete with by the time the, the cup final arrives would be Major League Baseball. So, and that's the first time we could ever say that, even during the, I the call that uh, baseball diarrhea. <laughs> right. <laughs> and even with, even with the, during the bubble, you know, the bubble started August 1st, 2020. Well, that was the same day the NBA restarted their bubble. So there's yeah. never really been a time in history from a betting aspect where the NHL has taken complete control. That's the, the, at the forefront. And so the books haven't really had to deal with it as often, but you know, that first period overtrend was something that the books had to really deal with. And I talked to a lot of, of betters in Vegas and bookmakers and they said, yeah, like, you know, yeah, we, we have to, we had to, you know, we got, we got crushed, you know, in the first couple of months of, of that trend. So, so yeah, to answer your question, yes, first period overs is definitely my, one of my favorite bets. And that's something that, uh, I, I did help make you know the what the phenomenon has become nowadays. So. Right, that yeah. is, I I did not know that story. That, that yeah. I mean, so because I remember it, and you're right, it's about three years ago, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you started hearing about the follow the money five, and those were some of the teams. It right. was the Hawks, yeah. it was the Lightning, it was the, the Penguins, sure. Penguins, and I think the Sharks were in there too. If I'm not mistaken, I think you're right. I mm-hmm. think you're right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. So, oh my God. Um, And those are fun. It's, you know, our guy, Joe, who's not on this one with us. He always, he got into the, the score in first inning in baseball, the Yerfy and the Nerfy and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And the first period over is kind of hockey's version of that, right? It's, it's quick. It's one period. You're rooting for goals really fast right away. It's kind of a, a way to scratch that itch and turn on a game and have some action right away. It's so fun. And, you know, and, and the thing is too, because of that, it led to me, getting into more live betting with hockey 
because when you're watching that, you're obviously, you know, like I said, you're waiting for your two goals, but you're watching the pace of play and you're seeing, you know, okay, wow, if it's the first period over hits in five minutes, well, this game seems like it might, could be nuts. We might see eight or nine goals or there's a lot of penalties, you know, a lot of, you know, uh, a lot of sloppy passing. So you can, you can use that first period, excuse me, that first period totals play, whether you go over or under and watch that and then that can kind of give you a reference of what you're looking for the rest of the game so if you're if you're alive better and you're looking for in-game spots having that that kind of cassette foundation i think that's even easier where some people would bet a full game side or total and then want to adjust in game it's like no you can do that but in the back of your mind it's just human nature we're all thinking about you know the first bet we made that you know we, we want our you know side to win our total to win but when you have something that's like a first period, a first quarter, first half, and if you're done with it, whether you want to lose, then you can kind of open up your mind to the rest of the game. So, you know, for second half bets, for live bets, I think it's kind of a good way to kind of split and, and separate things in your mind so you won't get caught up with, you know, your full game bet and, and you know, you're like, you know, trying to make a live rage and say, well, if this happens and then this happens, I win both of them. No, you, you can't do that. You have to kind of just take things one at a time. So betting first periods and, and hockey kind of helped me to become a better live better as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we're definitely, I mean, I'm definitely guilty of trying to find that middle. Um, <laughs> right. Oh, Matt, like Matt, Matt's the hockey guy, you know, out of all of us. And I remember a few years ago, he, he brought up the point of in-game betting, but betting the team who got scored on first. So you're down one, nothing, but then you're getting the odds. But right. I kind of took it one step. I was like, okay, if I'm not going to, you know, lay the minus one and a half, you know, I'm going to hope maybe they get down one, nothing. And then I can get, you know, minus 125, something like that before it was juiced in the three hundreds. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this year I really got into uh, regulation line betting over, over the puck line, just because it's, well, in the long run, I'm probably going to win more games on by one. Sure. And I understand you can get that 40 cent, you know, where maybe you're getting plus 120 and that's sexier than still laying minus 125. But, you know, if, if it's a good bet, I'm like, I don't care. So I'm kind of curious, you know, if, if you see something similar, if one of them's a sucker bet to you, it, maybe both of them are. No, well, no, actually when I first started betting hockey, uh, puck line favorites were something that I was able to cash with a lot. And like I said, get those great plus prices, 180, sometimes two to one. But then all of a sudden it seemed like teams started not converting empty net goals. And, and what I realized was that teams were starting to, play this kind of prevent style where they were just chipping the puck, you know, right into the neutral zone, trying to get the puck to spin and roll a little bit to kill, kill off clock. And it really backfired on some teams because then you saw, you know, a lot of teams come back and tie a game up. So eventually what that kind of led to, and I've always looked at regulation in the the three-way lines because I've always mostly been betting offshore. But the biggest thing I noticed, and this was also kind of came about, this was uh, one of the first seasons of the Ice Guys podcast. And, you know, on that show, four of us we we're on every day there's one of one of us or a group of us on every single day during the season in the playoffs so we always have to kind of look for content and some days you know there's really not really much to bet on and so during the playoffs i started noticing like well you know playoffs is always you know everybody talk about playoff overtime playoff overtime hockey mm-hmm. and it's, it was 2018 postseason like i can maybe even go back a little bit further than that where the record was broken for like it was like 17 or 18 overtimes in the first round of all of all the first round matchups. So once again, looking at the numbers and seeing that, and like, oh well, the draw 
is always around plus 300, plus 320, sometimes plus 350. So I just started betting those during the playoffs. And that became another kind of crazy phenomenon where people are just like, wow, you know, I'm hitting these, these overtimes left and right. And, you know, like I said, every one of them's, you know, no worse than, than three to one. Well, you know, hell, you can go 25% and hit with three, three, for one, three, uh, three to one odds and, and turn a, at least a small profit. So uh, that's been a thing that I've done a lot during the regular season. I'll definitely be doing it during this postseason. Like I've been doing every postseason uh, since going back to then. Looking for those overtime spots, you know, you can tell when teams, when they play tight, and especially the second half of the season, I always recommend this. You got teams that are playing for points and positioning, and they're, they're tied two to two or three, three with five minutes left in the third. You're not going to risk uh, a cross ice pass or, or, you know, a crazy uh, play or a breakout and then give up an odd man rush the other way, give up a goal, lose the game in regulation, and not have a point in the standings. So, you can tell where teams were tightening their sticks up and kind of just saying, you know, hey, you know, it's a mutual agreement. Let's just three minutes left. Let's just settle this in overtime and let's take our points because we need our points to stand until we go our separate ways. So that theory has really helped me. And especially this, this you know, the, the last two months of this season, I've cashed a lot of draw plays. Like I said, the, the cheapest price I had cashed was maybe plus 305. The highest one I cashed was uh, plus 410 about maybe, a you know, about three and a half weeks ago so yeah you know that's, that's uh good. things like that's that because yeah. like matthew over here i know we were doing a battle of the dads last month in march mm-hmm. and he he was a little bit behind kind of chasing he played uh the draw draws yeah and you know he he kind of made the point of you know about almost a third of nhl games this season have been going to overtime mm-hmm. And I was just like, you know, it's funny you say that because it's about the same for soccer because I've been known to, you know, dabble in soccer every now and then. Okay. Yeah. No matches I know it's and it's the same thing. So if I take, you know, a certain side, a lot of times I'll not parlay it as we're mm. used to the term, but I'll limit some risk and go on the draw as well. Because right. we're talking 30% of games. So and it's, and it's similar to you. A lot of these teams, you know, when it's in the 90th minute, they're not going to risk, you know, similar types of plays yeah and then and now with the with the advancement of, of betting here in the u.s these the books like the draft kings fan duels etc they have a lot more options that the offshore books had have had for years so you know there's things like double chance you can bet a, a side so like yesterday uh ian one of the hosts on, on the ice guys he had uh you know arizona and the draw Game goes, game goes to overtime, and then Arizona wins it. So he ends up, you know, hitting that. So, so those kind of derivatives and, and kind of combo wagers. Now, some of them are sucker bets, especially you start looking at bet boosts and things of that nature. But there are a lot of these derivative thing, uh, you know, wagers, where if you just kind of sit down, you know, do a little extra homework, you can spot some trends and, and find some angles that, the, like I said, the books they're gonna and they're gonna post that same number over and over unless something drastic happens. There's a drastic run, but hell. You can cash six or seven of those in a row and then get out of Dodge and, and you know, you've, you've made your money. So, you know, that that's the thing. So I think with any sport, if you know and look for just certain nuances, certain things and and, you know, even as a fan or just a casual observer and then you find the numbers, if everything correlates together, then it makes for a good wager. Yeah, absolutely. Love it. So let's talk playoffs a little bit. You mentioned no betting draws in the play, you know, stakes are higher in the playoffs. Teams will just naturally, I don't know. I mean, we'll see what happens with these totals because this has been an over season in the NHL for yes. sure. So we'll see if we get some lower scoring, tighter, 
overtime games in the playoffs. But when you look at betting the NHL playoffs, do you, is there anything different in your approach? Like certain things you look for that are specific to the playoffs versus the regular season? Yeah, not so much. I mean, there'll be some things like, you know, people always wanted to look at, obviously, when you talk about a playoff matchup, you know, how did those two teams fare against each other in the regular season? Or, you know, uh, you know, even if, if they had playoff history before. So there's some angles that I would kind of factor into my handicap and will be, you know, just the, as gospel. It's not the number one reason I'm going to make a bet on, on, you know, play A or, or side B or what have you. But I will take some of those things into consideration. And sometimes they don't, they backfire. Perfect example was in the bubble postseason, you had Carolina and New York oh, yeah. play it and, and the New York Rangers had dominated Carolina for like 15 years in the regular season. If you go back and what was really odd about it was not only that it was like, I mean, the, we're talking about like a 28 and like seven run, but when you look in the, the box scores of those games, most of the times Carolina would be out shooting the New York Rangers by a two to one margin. And then somehow end up losing the game three to one. So you just wonder, okay, well, this sometimes it's not always, and we talk about, you know, we talk about different lineups, different coaches, different years. Sometimes just some teams just don't fare well in certain buildings. You know, it's like, okay, there's, you know, maybe Carolina, you know, do they go out and party a little bit before they play at Madison Square Garden or what have you? There's something to that angle. Didn't matter in the bubble. They're, you know, playing, uh, I forget where, they, where the Eastern Conference even was with, with the bubble, but long story short, they swept out the New York Rangers. And even looking at this year, yeah, and if this year, uh, Carolina has, has, has dominated the Rangers as well. So what had been a long going trend, that I've been automatically betting for years and years and was actually betting and getting plus prices often with the Rangers. Now it's flip-flopped in the last, since that playoff uh, uh, bubble uh, matchup, Carolina has dominated the New York Rangers. So things change. You can't rely everything on, on, on a trend, everything on, on, on previous history, but it's something you do add into and look at when you're looking at, at, at you know, series and, and different games throughout the postseason. It's interesting. You mentioned, uh, histories and there's some teams in these playoffs like you know is this the year that the Leafs get out of the first round like there's right. some, some really compelling storylines and and we're recording this on Thursday so we're a little bit fortunate we at least know who's in we don't know right. the final matchups yet but do you have a take on the Golden Knights missing the playoffs I mean I think this is a pretty wild situation like I don't know if we'll ever see a team that is as capped out as they are that went all in that, you know, Tampa was capped out last season. They won the cup. These yeah. guys didn't even make the playoffs. It, it's crazy. Yeah, it is. I mean, and that's, we're going to see, you're going to see this in, in the cup era and the, the way in the salary cap era, I should say, where teams are going to, you know, try to go all in for a year or two. And, and if they don't win it, then, well, they got to, you know, fill figure things out. And for Vegas, I mean, listen, the, you know, the fans, I'm sure they're upset. Obviously you don't, never want your team to miss the postseason but you know you guys have had a team for five years and the first year you go all the way to the stanley cup final you can't complain about anything all right like the most successful expansion season of any team in any sport ever you know and so i guess that kind of you know obviously that builds some kind of uh you know a a rapport where the fans say hey you know this this could happen every year and sure enough four years in a row they made the playoffs and made deep runs in those postseasons of course didn't win anything but you know, so now for them to miss out, uh, it, you know, I think it, it, it's going to be a, obviously a wake-up call to that organization because the way they handled things the last year and a half, the whole goalie thing back and forth with getting rid of Flurry, Leonard going back and forth, and now he might be on, on the outs possibly after this season. 
Uh, you know, so those things, they've got to set a lot of things in-house. And, and when you look at how things broke down for them as we're taping this, Vegas had lost five of the last six games. Three of the last, the three straight games had gone into uh, a, sh- a shootout. 17 shooters. So it's a, a three round shootout against San Jose and a seven round shootout each against uh, Dallas and Chicago. No goals scored from any of those. And if you watched them, I watched the Chicago yeah. one last night and the, and the Dallas one the night, the night before. There was no creativity, no movement. You weren't seeing guy. You know, you see a guy like a, a Alexander Barkov or Patrick Kane try to do some fancy move or a dangle or a slowdown and stuff. There was nothing. It was like these guys were just. It was as if you were playing NHL on on a PlayStation and you know your controller got unplugged the last second. That's the way they, these guys were approaching goalies in the shootout. And it's like these are your biggest games of the season, and this is how you you end up the the contest. So I mean, you know, there's a lot of things. Obviously, they got bit by the injury bug too. COVID hit them. They made the move for Jack Eichel, and they were waiting for him to get healthy. And then he comes back, and he's kind of up and down, which can't blame him. The guy came off a neck surgery. Uh, so, you know, it, it's just one of those things. They had a bad season. You know, it's going to happen to every team. And, and, and Vegas fans now realize that, hey, you know, your team's susceptible to having bad seasons as well. So it's not the, not the shocking thing. It's at the end of the world. They're going to, they're gonna, you know, be back. And, and they have a rabid fan base that's going to push them to spend money and, and bring in top players and be one of the top teams in, in the Western Conference again. So, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think this is going to be a fall off the face of the earth for the Golden Knights in any form or fashion. So what was worse, the Golden Knights season or the Lakers season? Uh, I don't know. They're both because so you know what? I'm gonna say the Golden Knights season. This is why because the Lakers, when everybody, when the Lakers made all those moves, and I'll never forget, I texted a good buddy of mine who's a big basketball fan, and I, looking at all the ages of everybody on that team, I said, "Good thing they play in LA because if they were an East Coast team, they wouldn't even be able to stay awake for the second half of their games." <laughs> I mean, we're talking about you know, guys. This was like the 2012 All Star team, but now they're trying to win a title in 2022. Yeah. And so they kind of fell apart, you know, LeBron, you know, the whole load management, not even load management. I mean, he just got hurt. You know, these guys are getting all banged up and they're in their mid thirties and they played a lot of basketball and a lot of group. And when you think about it, this is something that I'll talk about, talk about too, when you talk about looking at playoffs is how long of it has a team or a, a player, you know, have been going to the postseason year after year after year. So you had LeBron who made what nine or 10 straight NBA finals. That's a lot of basketball. You play in 82 games or at least, let's say, 75. You're taking some off in the season. Then you've got your, you know, 20, 22, 24 game postseason. You're doing that year after year after year. You get worn out. You can be the, yeah. the you know greatest athlete of all time. You're still going to get worn out. You're still a human being. And you can say that with teams as well. You look at dynasties, you know, Golden State, uh, bring it back to hockey, the Blackhawks, the L.A. Kings and the, and the Penguins were the three dynasties of, of the of the. 2010 era Pittsburgh's the only team that really hasn't fallen off which is shocking because they've dealt with injuries year after year after year after year and I mean key injuries I mean there, there hasn't been a time in the last five or six years where we talk about oh Evgeny Malkin's out two three weeks Sidney Crosby's out a month with this and they've still been able to find ways to win and make the postseason every year but where teams like LA and Chicago they had their big runs and when it fell apart man did it fall apart so, you know, that's the thing. You play so much hockey, and that's something we have to look at with Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay has played yeah. so much hockey in the last several years. Going back to 2015, they're in the cup final. They only missed the playoffs once in this span from, from 15 to, to current. And to win back-to-back Stanley Cups, something that we've only seen three teams do in the last 25 years, not only do you have a target on your back, but you guys are just – you have to be mentally and physically exhausted at some point because you've just played – 
that much hockey, and especially with the condensed schedules of the bubble, the condensed schedules he's had this year. That's why we're seeing more uh, overs now in the second half of the season where things would tighten up and slow down and be more defensive. These, these goalies are just having rough nights. These you know blue liners are having rough nights, and we're still seeing high-scoring games. So, you know, that's something that I think needs to be taken into consideration with any any postseason, especially basketball and hockey. I think looking at postseason, when you're looking at futures or looking at series prices, look at how many how many games does this team really play? Like, like are these guys, you know, do they have the energy and, and can they dig deep down enough to find the energy to win another seven-game series? That's something you really have to ask before looking at any kind of series price or, or uh, you know, any scenario betting in the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Uh, good riddance to the Golden Knights as a Sharks fan. Uh, I got no sympathy and, sure. uh, and, and no love for those those, those assholes. So yeah. good riddance. Um, it's funny because I mean, everybody. It seems like everybody just hates Vegas now too. Like I went, yeah. I actually saw I actually saw the Golden Knights here in Minnesota with a friend of mine, and she's just like, I can't stand Vegas. And I go, I'm like, well, what's really wrong with them? I'm like, I'm like, okay, like, do you not like their fans because they're just like all kind of slightly entitled? Because once again, they you know they start off with you know having a, a great run at the beginning of, of their of their existence, and I'm like, the players aren't you know the players are fine. You know, I, I don't really know anything about their their ownership and, and coaching staffs. You know, enough to say that I like or hate them, but it just seemed like it, like when they got bounced last night, everybody on Twitter was just like rejoicing. Like it's like you you would think this was like the Yankees getting bounced out of out of the playoffs yeah. or something like that. Like like no, like pe- people do not like the Vegas Golden Knights. So. It's for sure. I mean, and when the Sharks beat them in the shootout, you had all the the Stars Twitter was all over it. The LA yeah. Kings Twitter was all over it. And it didn't like as I was scrolling through that, and I, I kind of realized like, man, everybody around the entire league just hates these guys. Yeah. And uh, I, I guess it's just because of the way they built their team. It's just cherry picking guys from from every other team every year. It's like, yeah, but that's how expansion. And but here's the thing, and, and everybody thought with Seattle coming to the league this year, that would be all oh, a repeat of the same thing. They're just going to cherry pick the, you know, and they picked the top guys that were available. It's just that the year Vegas came in the league there were so many good players that were available under the rules of the draft, you know, right. cause you know, you have all, all these protection rules and different things and they, they just got the luck of the draw. If you flip flopped them around or if it had been any other team, you know, they may have not, or if they didn't have the, 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 the management and staff to pick those guys, we probably wouldn't have seen that. We probably would have seen what we're seeing with Seattle. Seattle's just finishing last place uh, in the Pacific this year. So it's a, it's a fluke thing. I, I, you know, I wouldn't take it too personally if I'm, as, a, as a fan of another team, <laughs> you know, they, they got lucky and, and it's something we'll yeah. probably never see again. If we ever, if we do see any more teams expanding in, in, in sports, which I doubt we will, there's so many of them, but if we do, I highly doubt we'll ever see another expansion team in any sport, make it as far and be as successful in the first year as the Vegas Golden Knights were. Yeah, that seems like there's no way. So what are the storylines in the playoffs that you're looking forward to most this year? You just talked about the Lightning and touched on them. I mean, them versus the Leafs in round one is fascinating because the Leafs are hungry. The Lightning are going for the three-peat. You got that. You got, you know, the Panthers being one of the best teams in the league for probably the first time ever. You got the Avs. (laughs) They're trying to do it. You know the NHL wants McDavid and the Oilers to make a run. What are what are the best stories around the league, in your opinion? Yeah, I mean the Florida Panthers. Uh, this is that's I think that's a really exciting one that uh, people aren't even talking about more than they should be talking about it more than they really are. 
this team was just kind of just left in, in, in the wind for years and years. And you just wonder, you know, how are they even still in Florida? There's only 2,000 people showing up the games. They aren't winning. They aren't spending a lot of money. But they were able to draft well. They got Dale Talon as their GM. And he's a guy who yeah. helped build that Hawks dynasty. And he helped build and make and move pieces. And now Florida – it's funny, last year we joked around about Florida leading the league in attendance and said, yeah, well, it took a you know worldwide deadly pandemic for that to happen. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, no, actually, they have a pretty good hockey team and people not want to come out and see them. So the Florida Panthers are, are a legit story in the Eastern Conference and in the league. And uh, I, I think they will make a deep run in that East, and that will be something to, uh, to definitely keep an eye on. As far as, like I said, Tampa and, and Toronto, that is definitely going to be the series. And, you know, Toronto, 18 years since they've won a postseason series which is insane. When you think about all the talent that they've had, even those years, you know, it was the Matt, the end of the Matt Sundin era and, and that stuff. And then, you know, they went through a little bit of, of hardship in the you know early uh, 2000, early 2010s. But then you get Austin Matthews, you get John Tavares, you got Mitch Marner, you had uh, Freddie Anderson as a goalie for a while. He's gone now. They got Jack Campbell, who looked great last year for, for a time. They've had all these great players, but they haven't been able to put it together as a whole. They've had offense, no defense. Then the offense dries up when the defense starts playing well. Then they don't have any goaltending. Then they have goalie injuries. So that's just it's just been a, a string of bad luck for them where now they got to play the defending back-to-back Stanley Cup champions. And like you said, maybe there's something there where, you know, the hungry wolf that is the Toronto uh, Maple Leafs playing, you know, a possibly tired team in the Tampa Bay Lightning. So that's a fun series to watch too. And, and then right here in my backyard now in Minnesota, the wild – uh, making a huge run and, and a, a talk about a franchise that needed a culture change. They got it with, with Dean Evison as their head coach and Bill Guerin as their general manager. This, this, they, those are two fiery personalities. And now that has rubbed off on the players and it's rubbed off on the fans around here as well. Like, you know, it, it's, it's a whole different vibe being around town when it's, when it's getting a, a night game for, uh, for the wild or, or going to an actual game. Or even now you go to the bars and people are in there just sitting at the bars, watching the games, the, the road games, instead of, you know, being at home, they're actually going to go, you know, groups are going out and watching, watching the game. So it, it's, it's, it's a fun atmosphere, even though I'm not certainly not a wild fan, I'm a Hawks fan, but to live in enemy territory, but to, but to witness it, it, it's a, it's a great thing because this is a, this is a franchise that had a lot of talent and a lot of postseason disappointment. And now they've put it together. They are doing things the right way and they've got a, a squad that's awfully dangerous. And I think could make some real noise in the West this postseason. What about these narratives that you hear in terms of the playoffs? Like, all right, a team down Oh two going home is a play on and they're a good, score first, stuff like that. Some of these like situations or shoot elimination games. If a team's got their back against the wall, they may pull the goalie earlier. So you can look at a yep. third period over. What yep. about uh, some of these other like very specific things to the playoffs? Yeah. And that some of them are team specific. Uh, for example, the Hawks throughout their run in the, in the playoffs over, over the, you know, that last decade, they always lost game one and they always lost the first game on the road. It was like, this was like a, a long-term trend for, for about maybe five or six postseasons. So you can find little spots like that. And, and it might, like I said, it's something that maybe add to your handicap. It wouldn't be the end-all be-all and just automatic play. But uh, some of those narratives you can look into, but you have to, I, in my opinion, if I see one thing, I want to tie it in with something else. I, I'm not just going to blindly bet, okay, the team's down 0-2 going home, or, you know, uh, you know if it's a you know, 3-1, a 3-1 or 3-2 spot, you know, this team usually closes out series within six games or something like that. So it, it, it all depends on the series. 
and, and how things are going. You have to take, you really have to take it game by game as far as that goes. The you did bring up a good point about the elimination game, third period overs. That's something that we kind of uncovered a few years ago, where we've noticed yeah, the goalies obviously goalies are getting pulled earlier and earlier in games because, like I said, teams aren't trying to get the empty net if they're up with the lead. They're trying to try to chip the puck away, and it gives that trailing team time to set up and really develop a play as opposed to, you know, you're not just going down and just automatic icing and you're trying to start from scratch. No, a lot of times you'll see teams that tie games when they're down one goal or two goals, because that, that team that's up, they're playing with their backs against the wall when they really should be trying to press even more. So when you have an elimination spot, obviously this is, this is it. It's a winner go home. You're going to see coaches take chances and pull the goalie with five minutes left. And once again, those totals, when you start talking about second period, third period totals, what the books have done with those over the years, because they've gotten popular just like the first period totals, they still haven't adjusted the number. They've only adjusted the price. So, yes, you might have to lay 250 on a one and a half in the third period of an elimination game. But when you're seeing the trend of 19 and six, you know, in one year of, of, of third period overs cashing in elimination games, what's 250, especially when, you know, obviously you want to be, mindful with your bankroll I'm, I'm a i'm a guy who has very strict parameters with my bankroll but i wouldn't lay 250 on anything other than maybe a boxing match normally in the year but if that particular spot and this is the end of the season i'll take a chance with that i'll take a risk with my bankroll and lay 250 on a spot because i know i know what's going to happen this team's they're already up you know two one three one we're going to see goals galore because they're going to pull that goalie and if they go down four one they're going to pull that goalie again because maybe we make it four two you know they have they have a window in which if we're down two goals, hell, if we're even down three goals, we can may still make it a game if we have this much time left. And that that ends up, you know, leading to a lot of overs in the, in the third period of elimination games during the playoffs. Yeah, that's that's great. And the empty net situations in those, you know, at game six, down 3-1, like mm-hmm. you can find stuff like that for sure. I liked how you said, you know, when a team's down 0-2, you don't typically, you know, just blindly fade them. Uh, which is good because, you know, obviously fade you. Oh, they're not going to go down 3-0. So we, you know, definitely like to bet on that team to go up 3-0, you know, every right. now and then. You know, sit, again, situationally, you know, it works. Uh, from your kind of betting knowledge, do the books tend to juice the team down 0-2 more so you can find more of an edge betting-wise? Or is that more of a situation where you might say, hey, I want to see the first 10 minutes and then maybe I'm going to attack it? No. Well, the interesting thing is because, because of the, the playoff format, and that, if I'm not mistaken, this year it's the same like it'll be before. It'll be 2 2 one, one, one. Mm-hmm. So that game three, you will always tend to see that sometimes you'll – most times you'll see that team down 0-2, they're going home. They might actually be a favorite. If they were, if they were only a plus 110 or plus 115 dog game two, then they'll turn around and, and easily make them, you know, dollar ten or dollar five short favorite uh, in game three just because they're at home. Uh, so, so sometimes you'll you'll have an edge in, in in that aspect. And then the interesting thing of that is if it goes three zero, what I've noticed is that usually those lines won't change at all. So you would think a three zero spot, okay, well the team's up three zero is going to be a giant favorite. We saw it, we've seen that like in the NBA, for example, where you know uh, just the other night the Bulls and uh, yeah. Bucks were playing. Bucks were a 12 and a half point favorite in, in hockey. You don't always see that. You always, sometimes you might see the books come right back. I'll never forget my Hawks playing the wild from game three to game four. It's the 2015 is the conference uh, semi quarterfinals. I'm not mistaken. 
and Hawks go up 3-0 on a one nothing win on the road, that next game, Hawks were minus $1.20. Like, okay, well, I'm, I'm rolling with that. I'm going to lay that because in my eyes, they should be minus, you know, 190 or 200 because of the situation. They have the, the, the advantage. And, you know, must win doesn't mean will win. You know, I talk about that at the end of a season when teams are trying yeah. to get in the postseason. Well, that's the same thing in the playoffs as well. You know, and if a team's lo- lost three in a row, more than likely they've lost that for a reason, and there's a good chance they're going to lose a fourth. So, you know, it, it's, it's, moment, it's so much – hockey's a momentum-based sport in itself from game to game, shift to shift. But the playoffs in any form, especially of a seven-game series, it's all momentum-based. So if a team loses three, you know, to go down 2-0 and 3-0, look at their body language when they get off the ice. You know, if that team down 2-0-2, they, you know, come over and like, all right, you know what? We, we struggle a little bit, but, hey, we're, we're back at our bar now. Let's get th- things rocking and rolling. And then that's when you go maybe wait five minutes, ten minutes, see if they got that energy and momentum, and then make, make a live wager. Conversely, if you see that team – dragging their feet, hanging their heads when they skate off the ice, especially if they lose in like a, a overtime or a double overtime, that fatigue and, and that feeling of, hey, you know what, we our season's pretty much toast, can carry over. And then next thing you know, you want to, you know, that team that's up 3-0, maybe bet for them to score first, bet that first period over, you know, look for, and especially something I like to do live is for which team scores next. Uh, so those kind of things. And then if you see a team that's getting blown out, Especially in the playoffs, they don't really take up, you know, take their foot off the gas. So you might see a 3-0-4 lead in the game, and they're like, you know, let's, let's stick it to these guys. So you might want to bet them to score again, and now it's five nothing, now it's six nothing, because they will try to run it up on on some teams to, you know, just put that final nail on the coffin. I like it. What if, so we're fade you? Is there any team that you're thinking is a fade in these playoffs? We know the sixteen. Any any team yeah. that you're a little lower on or, or a little suspicious of two, two of the wild card teams. I'll give you one in the East and one in the West Washington capitals in the East and the Nashville predators in, in the West Washington's a team. I'm surprised they even made it to the postseason. I thought after last year, the way they got bounced by uh, Boston, they're a much older team, you know, still trying to hang on the pieces from that Stanley cup when they had years ago, uh, you know, Veskin's, you know, he's defying his, uh, his age at 36 years old playing like an MVP, but the rest of those guys, have kind of fallen out of favor, and the goaltending has been really spotty. And now they might have to play Florida. When we talk about how loaded they are offensively and, and the, the goaltending talent they have, I wouldn't be shocked to see Florida sweep uh, Washington. And then on the flip side, you got Nashville, where as of right now, they're either going to play Colorado or Calgary. And either way, that, that looks that spells doom for, for either matchup, especially now possibly UC Soros not being available for the beginning of that series, their goaltender. They're going to have to go to David Riddick, who has been horrific lately. Uh, we've been seeing a lot of goals. I think he's actually like on an eight and one run to the over whenever he starts. So that, that's Nashville. Uh, whenever David Riddick is in net, that's not something you really want to have going into game one of a playoffs where you're going to possibly have to go either go into the high altitude and crazy uh, arena of, of Colorado or the equally as crazy and, and, and tough, talented team in Calgary. So uh, those are two teams I would definitely be looking to fade. I, I more than likely would be fading them uh, in their ga- respective game ones. Now, not necessarily playing the money line. I might be looking at team totals for their opponent or things of that nature because you, these are the only games where you might only, you know, first round is probably the only time you're going to see prices of, you know, minus 160 to minus 200. You're not going to see that as we get into the, the semifinals and certainly not in the, the you know, conference finals or cup final. So you still have to kind of keep that same 
at least for me, regular season mindset of, okay, I'm not going to lay anything more than 140 on a money line or 150 on a money line. Or, you know, if I see a, a total of six, which this year we're probably going to see sixes and six and a half in the playoffs where years before you see five and a half. And then as it gets tighter down, you see fives. Uh, I'll never forget the LA, LA St. Louis, I think back in like 2013 or 14, we saw four and a half. Those are those days long gone. We're going to be seeing sixes and six and a halfs, and hell, maybe even sevens when you start talking about the Florida and uh, Toronto, Toronto. And some, of these, yeah. some of these high these high powered offenses that have Colorado, people. Colorado, yeah. exactly right. So, so you're going to have. I think this is going to be the first postseason, at least since I've been betting following, where the regular season is going to almost kind of continue on a little bit numbers wise in that first round. We won't see the change, the playoff numbers change in my opinion, until we get into the second round and deeper. That's a great point. I think, I think you're right too. Let's do, um, let's end with this. So our guys, Chris and Joe, who are not on our show with us today, Mm -hmm. they love hair pieces. And we had a, (laughs) we had a, we had a great hair piece discussion in major about baseball players recently. Hmm. Now, what I told those guys on that show is, Hey, if you like hair pieces, you got to look at some of these hockey players, especially some of the older guys, anybody come to mind that's got like amazing hair, either past or present in hockey. It's funny. I, I laughed when you when you said the, the primer talking about this because I was I looked back and I was like, there are a few guys who had some interesting hairstyles. Uh, Mike Ricci, you guys, you guys are familiar oh. with from the Sharks fam. He had the that kind of wet, slick back look. That was something that that always kind of caught my eye. Uh, Mike Commodore, when he that oh. run he made with uh, Carolina when they won the Cup in two thousand six, he had the big afro, the big red afro. Oh yeah, uh, that was pretty cool. Kind of kind of all throwback to the seventies. The guys had still were rocking the afros with no helmets, of course, back then too. And uh, Al Iafredi, I don't know if that name rings a bell at all. He guy who had one of the hardest shots in the league defenseman for the Washington Capitals for years in the nineties. He basically had a mullet that was just bald at the top, but he had all this hair down in the back. And it, <laughs> and it was it was always funny because most people didn't get to watch him unless you were a Caps fan and lived in the East Coast. But you got to see him during the All Star game, this hundred five mile an hour shot, and all of a sudden you see his hair flowing in the back, and then all of a sudden there's just nothing up top. So it was like this kind of crazy, crazy balding mullet. That's just, that's something that always that stuck with me. So those are the three the three hairstyles that I've really kind of noticed over the years. That and obviously, like I said, you know the the, the flow as they call it uh, in hockey oh, yeah. has always been something of, of nature. Here in Minnesota. They, they do a thing every year during the high school hockey tournaments. They actually do a video. You can find this on YouTube where they, they show the, the lineups for all the, because a lot of the schools will do traditions. They'll have the team, whole team dyes their hair blonde, whole team does buzz cuts or, you know, guys just do their own style and different things. So they always do a compilation of that for the high school tournaments here in Minnesota. It actually was an ESPN piece at one point. And funny story with that was that Barry Melrose, when he's shooting that piece with ESPN, they actually went to the barber shop here in St. Paul that I go to, uh, a place called Seven Street Barber. So, uh, awesome. and all that's all that's on YouTube, and you can find that. But yeah, so hockey hair is hair is definitely a, a thing in hockey throughout the years. But those are those are the players that whose hairstyles I remember the most. It just when you you skate around, it feels so good if you grow it out a little yeah. bit. Uh, <laughs> just some some about the wind and the hair, it's it's great. And yeah, yeah you mentioned I old... grow my hair out all the time. I just love <laughs> yeah. the wind in it. <laughs> see, yeah, you, see, wind doesn't go through my hair. My I need a haircut desperately, as you guys can see. But but uh, <laughs> so but uh, but yeah, and I think the biggest thing too, the funny thing is we talk about that. I think hair and hockey go together hand in hand because 
Hell, they weren't wearing helmets for you know most of the other time. You think about the sixties and seventies, you got to see all these guys' hair hairstyles. Oh, yeah. Nowadays, obviously, you know everybody's got to got to wear a helmet. But uh, so I think that's kind of what led to that allure too of seeing the hair flowing around as guys are skating back. Because until the you know the early eighties, these guys didn't wear helmets, so you got to see all the different different uh, colorful hairstyles. And some of those guys back in the day had just legendary mullets. You still see Melrose oh, yeah. rocking the mullet on ESPN, yep. but. Man, you go back and you look at some of those old hockey highlights, and the, the mullets these guys rocked were just ah. Uh, oh yeah, that was that's the thing. <laughs> yep. Well, we can't wait for the playoffs to start. And uh, and Alex, thanks so much for for coming on. And yeah. um, that was a ton of fun, a lot of great info, definitely for sure. So make sure everybody you're following us at Fade You Sports on Twitter. And Alex, just remind everybody where they can catch all your work. Yes. Uh, follow me on Twitter at AX Smith Sports. You can visit my website, AXSmithSports.com, and then check out the Ice Guys, uh, which is on YouTube every day throughout the regular season, throughout the playoffs. Uh, we'll have we'll even have some content coming up during the offseason as well. Uh, so just look up the Ice Guys on YouTube and you can find a podcast as well. It's on all available podcast platforms. And Kyle, before we get out of here, just remind everybody what happens sometimes when you bet on poop like the Cincinnati Reds three times in a row. You might just get the same exact (laughs) shitty result. (laughs) 